Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Good morning, baseball fans here in Chicago and listening around the globe on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Live from the Hyundai Studios. This is Hit and Run, the Scores Venerable Baseball Show. I am Barry Rosner, and my partner in perpetuity is Joe Ostrowski. But he's out sick today, so I will be solo and with you until noon. Here's what we have planned for you today. As always, lots of Cubs and White Sox conversation. Uh, I would hope you would join in at 312-644-6767. At 930, we'll visit with former Cubs GM Ed Lynch. He'll be here to talk about the trade deadline and the state of the game of baseball. When we had him on a couple months ago, many of you let us know you really enjoyed that conversation. So we thought we would try that again at 10 o'clock. Rock Kabodko, who covers the Orioles for Masson, will stop by for a few minutes. I think you know what that's going to be about. At 10.30, it's our weekly visit with the score's very own Bruce Levine. At 11, we go national with Anthony Kastrovitz of MLB.com. You see him frequently on the MLB Network. Does he do high heat? Uh, I don't think I see him on high heat, but uh, I didn't see any high heat this week. Uh, Eli Hershkovich is absolutely certain he has precious audio for me from this week. So I'm looking forward to that. I hope you are as well. At 11.30, Kevin Kerner from the New York Post. He covers the Mets and the Yankees. He's a baseball columnist. We'll talk to him about what's happening with those teams. Our producer, director, and engineer, and often intern, is Eli Hershkovich. I am at Barry Rosner on Twitter. Joe is at Joe0670, except that Joe is out. And that's a shame because... There's something I'm going to mention in the first segment here that I think Joe could help me with. Uh, if you know the answer, I'm going to need your help with that. The Hit and Run account is Hit and Run 670. You can follow that for show updates, and you should. The phone number is 312-644-6767. You can also join in, join in at 670 via the text zone on the score. If you text us, you'll get a text back acknowledging your text. Standard message and data rates may apply. Eli, I'm going to need a um, a remote for one of these TVs. So we can get the uh, the Scottish Open on in here. Big day, Scottish Open, British Open coming up this week. Why are you laughing? That's not funny. I I'm, I <laughs> I need to see the Scottish Open. Why is that funny to you? I don't big, think big golf guy on this side. So I do. <laughs> okay, so that's why you're laughing. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven is the phone number. It is the unofficial end of the first half today, but in the case of the Cubs. There's only 69 games left after this afternoon, so really deep into the second half. And for most teams, many fewer games than that. The Cubs have played just about the fewest games in in baseball. The great news is that the Cubs haven't even played great baseball yet. They have not played their best baseball. Uh, we have documented frequently on this show the, the Cubs' problems, and they're in the rotation. 
They may end up being in the bullpen if the rotation doesn't start pitching more than four or five innings a game. Uh, Joe uh, Joe Madden, of course, knows that he's got the break coming up, so he was not as reluctant to get Chatwood out of there after five innings on Friday. Hendricks was done last night at five. Great job by Kyle Hendricks, by the way. He had nothing last night. Kyle Hendricks had nothing. But after 52 pitches through two innings and some really hard-hit balls, he somehow managed to get through five innings, and that was big. And then it was, again, the bullpen doing a terrific job. And Javi Baez being Javi Baez again. This is what I would ask Joe about if he were here. I looked this morning on about 10 different websites, and I couldn't find it. I don't think it's available right now. But I'd like to know the odds on Javi Baez to win the MVP. As of about two weeks ago, he was not even listed among the top ten. It was mostly a lot of uh, Freddie Freeman, Nolan Arenado. Bryce Harper was still there at the time, but that's because of money that came in before the season. I would think his odds are slipping considerably as the Nationals continue to do the same, and he continues to, to suffer. But why can't Javi Baez win the MVP? I mean, seriously. Why can't he win the MVP? I mean, Nolan Arenado is a phenomenal. He's, he's all world. I wonder if people in Chicago who didn't know who Manny Machado was until about 60 days ago will find out that Nolan Arenado plays baseball too. That, that's going to be shocking because he's a free agent at the end of next year. I don't know what you'd want to do with him, but he'll come into town and uh, it'll be a big thing. And everyone will say, oh, he should be on the Cubs. Yeah. Why can't Javi Baez win the MVP? Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. I mean, tell me, I, I, if he continues like this, I don't see any reason why he can't. He is. I, I have thought this year that from the beginning that the Cubs were the best team in the National League, that they would get to the World Series. Nothing to this point has changed my mind on that. And the Cubs will win this division. Nothing at any point has changed my mind on that. Do they have issues? Of course. There's a lot of teams with issues right now. But Javi Baez, in war for position players in the National League, this is baseball reference, is fourth. Behind Kane, Freeman, Real Muto, he's fourth. Nolan Arenado is actually a little bit behind Javi Baez. Ozzie Albies has slipped behind Javi Baez. Goldschmidt is climbing. Goldschmidt is climbing, and Goldschmidt is on fire, and the Diamondbacks are good. So there's one for you. That might be, I mean, if you're really making the case, those might be the two guys, Javi Baez and Paul Goldschmidt. But I think if this goes on, and I see no reason why it won't, besides which he's going to win home run derby, I mean, if Home Run Derby was made for anybody, it was made for Javi Baez. He doesn't have to change a thing. His approach in Home Run Derby is his approach every swing of every game of every season for his entire life. It's perfect for him. He's going to win Home Run Derby. Not that that should have anything to do with MVP. But, you know, you never know how people think about these things. The Cubs continue to need the same thing today that they've needed since this began, and that's starting pitching. And I don't mean go out and get starting pitching. I'm sure they're looking. I'm sure they'd like to get someone. 
I don't know what they think they can get or what they have to give up. There's not a lot out there anyway. Most of it is not very exciting. Although Danny Duffy's start yesterday, that's got to raise a few eyebrows. That's got to get a few people thinking, well, what if Danny Duffy is Danny Duffy again? And in his last, what, 10 starts? Pretty good. Now, he's due $14 million this year, 15 next year, 15 and 20, and 15 and 21. That's cheap by today's standards. I mean, that's a, it's like a fourth starter in today's world. Maybe not fourth, maybe third. But, Danny, I mean, that's, you know, there, there's guys like that. What do you have to give up to get them? Well, I don't know. Kansas City might want to just be done with that money. Who knows? you take Danny Duffy in your rotation right now? Well, yeah, given what you've seen from a lot of these guys, you would. But if you're afraid of, of, of a team in the National League, I'd like to know who it is. Diamondbacks are pretty good, but they're flawed. Just like the Cubs, just like the Dodgers, just like the Nationals. Remember... Remember spring training? Remember the winter and then spring training? The narrative was that you had nothing but tanking teams and super teams. And this was going to be the most boring baseball season ever. Super teams and tanking teams. But where are the super teams in the National League? Where are they? And the Nationals are six and a half out in third place. That was a super team. Guaranteed super team. I read it. All the national guys. You know, if there's a narrative and one national guy throws it out there, they all pick it up, and that becomes the narrative. It's groupthink at its worst. It's journalism in 2018, or what passes for it. Super teams, it's going to be the most boring baseball season in the history of baseball because everyone. there are two groups, super teams and tanking teams. So where's the super team in the National League East? The Cubs don't have a starting rotation as we sit here right now. They should. They certainly spend enough on it. They may by the time it's over. Super team in the National League West? You got a four team you have four teams within three and a half games in the National League West. Most boring season ever. Most boring baseball season ever it was supposed to be. You got four teams in the West. You got two in the Central. You got three in the East, if you believe Washington's going to come back, and most people do. I don't know. Pretty ugly right now. Until three days ago, you had Seattle only a couple games out in the NL West. Oakland's only four games behind Seattle now. There's no race in the AL Central because the the Indians have no competition. But where's all the tanking teams? Yeah, the White Sox are tanking. In the American League, I mean, just look at the American League, by the way, pretty pretty decent race in the AL East. Boring. That's pretty boring. That's pretty boring, the Yankees and Red Sox. Where's all the tanking teams? I mean, the Rays don't tank. They just they don't know what they're doing, but they don't tank. The Blue Jays are always trying. They're terrible. The Orioles are always trying. They're terrible. Those aren't tanking teams. The Royals aren't tanking. They just they they should have moved on from all of their guys and did not. Should have moved on from all of them. You're a small market team operating like a small market team. You won the World Series. Should have moved on. They didn't. I don't know what they were thinking last summer, and now they're paying the price. Alex Cobb. It's crazy. It's crazy. Kansas City is a disaster. D 
Detroit's a mess. Minnesota's trying to win. They're terrible. I mean, where's all the tanking teams in the American League? Texas is trying to win. They're terrible. The Angels are now only two games over 500. they They're done. They're cooked. They're finished. Richard's gone. No help on the way. They should be pulling the plug. Oakland is is 12 over 500. You got Seattle, obviously, compete. Where's all the tanking teams? Where's all the tanking teams? Where's all the super teams? The only super team in baseball, really, and I'm talking about a team with virtually no flaws, is the Houston Astros. I mean, good God. That's so intimidating. It's so scary. I still want to see what happens to their pitchers come September, October, and if they get there early November. Although it's supposed to be done before November this year, right? Yeah, sure. It'll snow. It'll snow somewhere. Yeah, the Red Sox and Yankees, really, really good. Are they super teams? I mean, how many starters do, do the Yankees need? The Red Sox are looking for starters and bullpen guys. I mean, those are not perfect teams. I guess you got to call the Red Sox and the Yankees super teams. All right, so there's three super teams. How many tanking teams are there? Not that many tanking teams. The Marlins are tanking, but the Mets are trying, and they're the Mets. You know. Then you got the you got the Nationals, Braves, and Phillies. Cardinals are trying. Fired Mike Matheny last night. I'll get to that. Pittsburgh never knows what it's doing, but they're not tanking. Cincinnati's been the best team in baseball the last month. You aware of that? Cincinnati best record. In the National League, I don't not baseball. In the National League, in the last month, Jim Riggleman is three games over five hundred. I sure hope he gets a chance. It's just, it's just not in his DNA, though. Never give a sucker an even break, right? That's Jim Riggleman has never gotten, has never gotten a fair shake, not one time. But the Reds were tanking, and they're now. Only three back of the Pirates, who have been playing good baseball. Pirates have won five in a row. Padres are tanking. And you got four teams competing in the NL West. Where's all the tanking teams? Where's all the super teams? I count three super teams. I just, I'm baffled by those narratives sometimes. But it hasn't played out. And that's great news for the Cubs. Because the National League is wide open for the Cubs. I still think they're the best team in the National League. I don't know what the Dodgers' intentions are at the deadline. We'll get into that a bit later today. You Darvish started throwing again Friday, Friday the 13th. So start a clock on him, assuming no setbacks. Could be back in something less than a month. Usually it's a month. Usually it, when you start the clock, it's usually a month. We'll see if there's no setbacks. But he's had a setback every single time he, something has started to go well for him over the last month, six weeks. But what team are you afraid of in the National League? I don't see it. I mean, a super team. Where's the super team? It's one of those baseball narratives that... Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, but there's just so much groupthink, and, and somebody starts something, and then it catches on, and that's baseball's broken. Baseball must be fixed. Baseball is ruined. This will be the most boring season ever, and look at it. I mean, you got races in every division except for the AL Central, and the Indians are no super team. I mean, wow. Basically, the Indians need an outfield, and they need a bullpen. 
That sound like a super team to you? <laughs> I mean, with that rotation, they should be frightening going into the postseason. But they're not right now. Not real scary right now. The St. Louis Cardinals have fired their manager, Mike Matheny, which really can't be a surprise after everything that's gone on over the last couple of weeks. The spies in the clubhouse, the nonsense with with Norris and Hicks. If you haven't read about that, you can find that. We we talked about it a lot. Amully and Hanley this week, and uh, I'm sure the other shows did as well. The funny thing is, immediately afterward, the 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 name that was mentioned was Joe Girardi. Joe Girardi is going to be replacing Mike Matheny. Because, connect the dots here, because A, he's available, B, he played a year for the Cardinals and backed up Mike Matheny, C, he knows Mazalak. well, I mean, lots of people do, Uh, and D, what would D be? There's like a D, Uh, there's some other, I mean, okay, got to be a D. But connect it. So that was that. I mean, look, uh, I, I'm a huge Joe Girardi fan. I didn't think he deserved to be fired. I think he will get another job and he'll do very well. But Joe Girardi, in many ways, is a lot like Mike Matheny. Not identical. Mike Matheny was a miserable guy to be around. He made the clubhouse an awful place to be. He made the players unhappy. He made everyone unhappy. Joe's not like that. Joe's a great guy. Joe's very pleasant to be around. But he's a little bit old school. He can be a little bit tough. And tough isn't bad. I know everybody needs a trophy and a ribbon today. It, it, it doesn't have to be that way. You think Joe Madden can't be tough with his guys? Joe Girardi is not Mike Matheny, but there will be an impression in St. Louis that he's too similar. So I'd be a little bit surprised if that happened. Plus, I know Joe very well. And Joe's going to look for an opportunity to win right away. How's, how's that Cardinals thing in this division right now? I mean, the Brewers are getting better. I don't think they're there yet. I mean, the Brewers need an awful lot still if they're going to compete with the Cubs down the stretch. They need starters. And if they don't get them, I, don't, I just don't see how they're going to compete with the Cubs. But you like the Cardinals' chances against the Cubs any time in the next four years? So why would, he, why would he do that? I was surprised by that. But I believe the first tweet in that regard came from Bob Nightingale. And that was within minutes of him learning that, that Mike Matheny had been fired. And it was, it was a, a really great day. Yesterday, if you follow Bob Nightingale on Twitter, it was a really <laughs> terrific day. And it started <laughs> It started in the afternoon when he tweeted that, considering there is one day left before the All-Star game, the Orioles would severely penalize their fan base if they trade Manny Machado before Wednesday. Let him and their fans enjoy Machado one last time on national stage. Like, Orioles fans care at this point whether Machado goes to the All-Star game in an Orioles uniform. They care about that at this point. What if he breaks his leg in the All-Star game? 
Are Orioles fans going to enjoy that? Better than the tweet with Bob is always the responses. You're going to want to click on that. That's from 16 hours ago on Bob Nightingale's uh, Twitter feed. You got to read the responses. The responses will have you crying. You have to do that. You owe it to yourself. 14 hours ago, he tweeted, Rival executives still believe the Dodgers will acquire Orioles' Manny Machado until the day he's finally traded. I'm going to read that again because I had to read it nine times. And then I just. Thoughts on that for a sec. Go ahead. (laughs) Then I just gave up. Rival executives still believe the Dodgers will acquire Orioles' Manny Machado until the day he's finally traded. What does that mean? Anyone? 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 What's what does that mean? What's your take on Empress? I, I don't have one. I don't even understand it. Again, the response is just precious. And then uh, after he was catching up to the Matheny news, he tweeted manager Mike Mar- Marheny, Mike Marheny, John Mabry, and Billy Muller all fired from St. Louis card staff. How about that for a sec? Well, I can say that there's usually some some uh, spelling mistakes in, in Bob's tweets. He had a really big one the other day. A really big one. Eli, shake, he's nodding his head. He had a really big one the other day. You'll have to go back and find that if it hasn't been deleted. He, he misspelled, Pretty sure it's still on. He misspelled the word big. There's always there's always a problem with his timeline. <laughs> this is bad. Solo when I start to lose it is bad because I, I I have to continue to speak. Right, I have to. What about what about the one from yesterday too with Borges? <laughs> yes, that was also a good one. Um, that it was a that it was a great sign. Great signing by the Giants. You have to, uh, if you don't follow Bob, you should, because it's fantastic stuff. It really is. But the responses, I really admire people who put the effort into the responses. That is, uh, that's great work by the Twitter world. This hour on the score is brought to you by Grandview Homes. Grandview will buy your home today. Grow to go to grandviewhomes.com. Uh, the the leading odds now for World Series matchup for the first time this year is Cubs Astros at 10 to 1. It's the first time this year. That's something I look at frequently. And you see a lot of different names up there at the top. Seen the Red Sox from time to time. Seen the Yankees from time to time. The Astros. On the National League side, haven't seen the Cubs really all year in that spot. And now that is the matchup for the World Series. Cubs-Astros at 10-1. to Uh, We have a lot of stuff to get to today. A lot of White Sox stuff. Got to talk about Moncada's injury yesterday and the response to it. Uh, There are other White Sox things to get to. Much to talk to you about. The All-Star Game is this week. And, uh, man, I hate the All-Star Game. But I'm on the morning show all week, so I'm going to have to watch the All-Star Game. 
and I'm bitter about it. I really am. I blame Mike Mulligan for being on vacation. Uh, all right, when we come back, uh, we will visit with former Cubs GM Ed Lynch. We will talk trade deadline. We will talk about the process of going through that. We'll talk about the state of the game, his thoughts on some of the players that uh, may or may not be moved, and um, how baseball is approaching some of the things that they consider to be major problems in the game. I am Barry Rosner. Joe Ostrowski is out sick today. You've got hit and run on the score. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Welcome back in on Hit and Run on the Score. Barry Rosner with you until noon. Right now, it's time to go out to the score hotline where we're joined by former Cubs GM Ed Lynch, who was so entertaining last time we had him on. We thought we would pick his brain again today as the trade deadline approaches. Good morning, Ed, and thanks for your time again. Oh, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. You uh, you know what? It's funny, Ed. We seem to be uh, getting along a lot better now than we did when uh, <laughs> when you were GM. You haven't cursed at me like in, I don't know, about 14 years, something like that. That's pretty good. Yeah, close, close to 20 years since you've been judging me. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Uh, I make no apologies, and I'm sure you don't either. Um you you know you spent a lot of time in that chair. What's it like this time of year? What is, what is going on? Uh, I, I mean, and you've you've been on both sides of it. So if you're um, if you're among these many teams, say chasing Manny Machado, or you're the Orioles trying to figure out what they're going to do, try to maximize return. What's going? What's happening in those front offices? Well, the, the toughest decision you make as a general manager during the season is whether you're a you know, a buyer or a seller. I mean, you have to make that determination. You have to be realistic about it. I mean, you can't be nine games back from the second wild card under 500 and sitting there and trying to convince yourself, hey, we're still in this thing, especially when they're, you know, if you're nine games back and there's six teams in front of you, you have to make that tough decision. Hey, guys, we have to think long-term now, so we have to pull the plug. We have to move the guys that we could move. You know, you have to sit down, look yourself in the mirror, and say, "Okay, when are we gonna? When are we gonna compete for that second wild card? When are we gonna compete to get into the playoffs?" Okay, you pick the year. Say it's 2021 or 2020. Okay, now is this guy, is this player, whose contract is gonna be up before then? Is this guy gonna be with us when we contend? If the answer is no, and you're you're out of it, it's pretty clear you have to move that player. I know it's a tough decision to make, but, you know, the players are not happy. Uh, the fans aren't happy, but it's something you have to do as a general manager. It's, it's, it's a very tough decision, but absolutely necessary. I know you're not there. I know you're not on the inside, but as you follow what the Mets are doing, and I assume you still follow them pretty closely. You did spend an awful lot of your your early days there, and I'm, I'm sure part of your heart remains there. What, what do you think of the decision they have to make now. Well, I mean, they don't have to make a decision now, but there it appears as though they're going to hold on to DeGrom. It appears as though they may shop Syndergaard. I don't know what they're going to do with Wheeler, but they don't seem to want to maximize return on those guys. It seems like they're going to continue to try to do this. How do you view, um, uh, from their standpoint, what they have to figure out right now? Well, the most valuable commodity in our game is is pitching, and specifically starting pitching, and more specifically, controllable starting pitching. Now, I'm not uh, t- 
totally familiar with the contract status of those guys, but I know none of them have the ability to be a free agent at the end of the year. So you're looking at guys that are definitely going to be on your club next year. Now, I, I mean, I saw DeGrom and I saw Wheeler, and I'll tell you what, is uh, DeGrom is probably in the top three or four best pitchers I've seen this year, and I've seen a lot of games. And, you know, that's the kind of guy that I would have a very difficult time uh, moving. And, you know, going forward, he's going to be your number one guy. I know because of his consistency and his ability to stay healthy. Syndergaard, obviously, is a very gifted arm, but he's had his injury problems. We had him in uh, in Toronto. Um, he's not as, I don't think, mature or as consistent or predictable as a DeGrom. And Wheeler is a guy who's on the upswing. He's throwing a split now. The guys in New York tell me the split has really come along. He's easy 97 these guys are the kind of starting pitchers you have to have on your staff if you're going to consistently compete year after year. So I would be very surprised if they moved any one of those three. And given some of their difficulties from from a financial standpoint, from an ownership standpoint, and, and now, I mean, what's it like in that front office with Sandy Alderson on leave and maybe the confusion that that it, that ensues from that? What What do you think it's like in there right now? Well, obviously, you know, you're talking about a team that got off to a, an 11 and one start. And, you know, right now they're on a pace to lose a lot of games. I mean, they're, they're, they're obviously out of it. They're, uh, you know, they're on a pace right now to lose close to 90 games. They're not, oh, no, they are. They're on a pace to lose 90 games, San Diego, Miami, and the Mets. So, you know, after getting off to an 11-1 start and being where they are right now, and Sandy Alderson, who I have the greatest respect for as a person and as a front office guy, you know, not able to do his job 100% physically, I think that's another reason why we'll, I'll, I will say that I think they're going to stand pat. I would be very surprised if they moved any of those three guys. But it's been an incredibly disappointing year for them. As you look at where the Cubs are, obviously believing they can win a World Series, they spent an awful lot of money on this rotation and invested prospects in terms of getting Jose Quintana. And they thought they had a top-five rotation. It hasn't pitched anywhere near that this year. They've also cashed in a lot of their prospects to get them to where they are right now. If you're the Cubs, you know, Theo basically said it. Look, our, our answers are in-house. There's no cavalry coming. But if you're the Cubs and you're looking around, is there much out there that would interest you? Or do you kind of just say, look, we we did all our work. We put this together, and it's up to these guys to get it done. No, I think for sure they've done everything they possibly can. I, I would just ride it out with what I have. I think they're a quality club. I think they're starting to gel right now. I really don't think there's much threat from within the division other than Milwaukee. Um you know, I, I just think that they have in their clubhouse everything they need to win and go very deep in the in the in the playoffs. So, if I if I'm the Cubs, I'm satisfied with what I have. Um, you know, I I just don't I don't think that they they can do anything that makes any sense to measurably make them better. So, I, I would think that they would just stay where they are right now. I know they're gonna they're they're certainly looking for more bullpen arms. I mean, the rotation has stressed their bullpen quite a bit, so they're. They're looking for bullpen arms, as is everybody. But that's the big thing today, Ed. Everybody, everybody wants more bullpen arms. Everybody wants to, you know, the, you know, obviously you've seen what's happening in Tampa with the opener, as they call it. And um, 
you know, there, there, there are guys out there who believe, truly believe you can throw nine pitchers a game, that you don't need starting pitchers anymore. Um, I, I, don't, I don't get the math. You know, I was never very good at math. You know I was not very smart. I know you know that. Uh, I, don't, uh, well, I, I don't get the math. Like, how does that work? Where are you going to find the arms to make this work? Well, that, that's the problem right now because when you're, and I've seen it a lot, when, when managers manage in April and May, like it's August and September, um, you know, you're going to have problems in August and September because the overuse is starting to kick in now. I mean, when you see, you know, we've had like three or four 19 run games in the last week or so, and you see position players pitching more and more. Uh, you know something's going wrong with, with the bullpens. And that's the one area. Somebody has to go out there, Barry, and pitch 1,400 innings. Somebody has to do it. I mean, I was looking at Zach Grinke yesterday. Here's a pitcher who's a fine pitcher. He's an all-star pitcher. He's making $31 million, and he's averaging exactly six innings per start. And that, you know, it, it's news when someone goes seven innings. I think <laughs> if you throw a complete game, they have a parade for you. But. I mean, it's it's just unbelievable. The, it, we're approaching a time, Barry, where the average start in the major leagues is going to fall below five innings per start, certainly in the next few years, at the current rate. And you can't just pitch the same guys over and over and over every day. It's like if somebody gets in trouble in the sixth inning, they're out. They're done. And so, we, you know, we don't do a, a, a very good job as an industry in the minor leagues of teaching these young starting pitchers how to get out of jams after the fifth inning. So, you know, they're, they're people, and they, they understand the system. You know, they know that wins are not as important for a starting pitcher as the quantitative, or the, excuse me, the qualitative numbers. The strikeouts per nine innings, the velocity and all that are, are the things that are being measured and rewarded. I mean, you can follow the money. Uh, the guys that strike people out and uh, the people that have the, you know, the low ERA independent of fielding, those are the guys that are rewarded. Nobody talks about wins anymore. And the only way you're going to win a game is to go deep in the games consistently. And I just don't see that anymore. But to, to answer your question, you know, everybody is looking for relievers. I mean, everybody. And I, I think the, the market for Manny Machado is not what people might think it is. I mean, because the one thing that everybody needs and the one thing you're going to use every game in the postseason when the game is on the line, is a quality reliever, and that's why everybody's looking for. We're visiting with former Cubs general manager Ed Lynch. Has been a scout in the game for a long time, and uh, Ed, it's uh, this. I don't think this will come as a surprise to you, but I've had this conversation with John Smoltz and Greg Maddox just over the last couple of months, and uh, I know they're Hall of Famers, and their approach wasn't the same as everybody else, but they both talked about a game plan for managing an entire game, a nine-inning game, not a five-inning game. So they may not show a, a batter something his first two times through the lineup, maybe not even the first three times through the lineup, knowing they would need something in reserve for when they when they got to the eighth or ninth inning. And uh, Ron Darling has talked about this as well, about, uh, about not going max effort through your first you know, 70 pitches so that you do have something left. Is this you think this tide is ever going to turn back to a time where starting pitchers are actually taught to throw that way, or is that is that just gone? Is are those days gone forever? Well, I, I hope they're not gone because, you know, I remember when I came up to the big leagues, Joe Torrey is my first manager, and I didn't have nearly the stuff of the success of a John Smoltz or Greg Maddox or even Ron Darling, who was a 
borderline Hall of Famer. But the one thing I was I was taught when I came up is you throw fastballs low and away until you have to throw something else. And strikeouts really, you know, stri- there was a place for strikeouts. There was a place for strikeouts in the game where there was a man on third and one out when you try to strike somebody out. And I, I've seen an awful lot of games. And, I mean, I saw a couple of pitchers this year. Within seven pitches of the start of the game, they had thrown every pitch they have. And they weren't two-pitch guys. They were four-pitch guys, fastball, curveball, slider, cutter, whatever. And they threw every pitch they had to the first two hitters in the game. And they're, no matter what the situation, with two strikes, they're trying to strike people out. So if it's you know one and two on the eight-hole hitter, or even the pitcher, they're bouncing a curveball at one and two. They're bouncing a slider two and two. Now it's three and two, and they're trying to strike them out again. Now that's all well and good if your strikeouts are the only measurable thing that's going to determine if you win the game. But when you're at 110 pitches in the fifth inning every game because you're striking, trying to strike everybody out, plus you've shown everybody in the lineup every pitch you have first time through, you're not going to get through that lineup the third time and surprise people with that breaking ball they haven't seen yet. So there's a lot of truth to that, Barry, and I think maybe those days are gone forever. Until we start rewarding guys for for getting outs, getting deep in games, not worried about strikeouts, get outs, you know, not walk people, work fast. All those things that you were taught 30 years ago when I was a pitcher seem to be less important now. I, I, at the Hall of Fame, it's got to be 10 years ago now, I had a chance to talk to Sandy Koufax about pitching, and he talked about dropping and driving and being, to, uh, being able to elevate a fastball, you know, the so-called exploding fastball that seemed to, seemed to rise. And he said, well, it's, just, it's really just physics. It's really just, you know, getting down low so you can elevate the fastball. And it gives the impression, if not, I don't know if it's actually happening. You stood in a batter's box and faced major league hitters. I don't know if Nolan Ryan could really throw an exploding fastball. But, but it, you know, the people who faced Sandy Koufax believe that it did. It was the drop and drive. You know, the Seaver drop and drive. With launch angle being what it is, do you think we'll see more pitchers trying to adopt something like that? So they can elevate a fastball and combat this whole launch angle phenomenon? No, I I think it's already happened for sure. I mean, I've never seen so many high fastballs in my life in situations where you're behind in the count, like a 2-1 high fastball. I mean, 2-1, and you have to throw a strike. But, you know, hitters are more aggressive. You know, the strikeouts are incredible, incredibly high. I, I don't think I've seen a statistic in a major sport in America like the strikeouts are in baseball now. Because if you look at a stat in the other sports in the NFL, the defense is trying to hold the offense from getting yardage. The offense is trying to gain yardage. In in basketball, they're trying to keep the the points scored down. The offense is trying to keep it up. In baseball, strikeouts, you've got pitchers trying to strike everybody out, and then you've got hitters that don't care if they strike out. So that's why you're seeing the record number of strikeouts now. Because hitters don't care. If they go one for five with four strikeouts and a home run, that is just deemed a successful game for them, even if they lose nine to two. So I think you're going to see more and more high fastballs as guys, the launch angle thing, hitters that are not capable of swinging up at an uppercut plane who are trying to do that. And I see a lot of hitters doing that, guys hitting low in the lineup, trying to hit the ball in the air, trying to uppercut. 
and they're just not capable of doing it. You can't look at Mike Trout and say, I want everybody to swing like him. He has certain gifts that other hitters just don't have. You know, he has, you know, the hand-eye coordination, the vision, the strength. So if you're trying to teach, you know, a Nick Ahmed or somebody like that to to hit like Mike Trout, you're going to have problems. And and that's why I think you see the the statistics the way they are in the Major League Baseball now. You know, the the batting average is way down. The on-base percentage is down. The the strikeouts have gone through the roof. So, um it, it's a it's a problem, and I think you know you try to teach everybody to hit or pitch a certain way, you're going to have a problem. Uh, speaking of of defense and and what coaches try to do in in uh, hockey and football and basketball and and uh, what managers try to do in baseball, it's funny. And GMs think the same way. Yeah, you're trying to prevent. You're always trying to prevent because you know the one way you can win is by preventing the other team from scoring. If they don't score, you cannot lose the game. And every commissioner in every sport is trying to increase scoring, and all the and the two sides are always opposite on that. Um, you see Rob Manfred very involved in that now, and in, in considering so many different rule changes to try to alter the game. How do you feel about the job he's doing along those lines? Well, he's fighting an uphill battle. There's certain things that are built into the game now that that you're just not going to be able to change. I mean, the the commercial time between innings, the the uh, you know, the challenge system, you know, the genie's out of the bottle. That genie's not going back in that bottle. So we are going to continue to have plays challenged. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you're going to see a ton of challenges, and they take time. You know, I was watching a game yesterday, and it was a play at second base uh, where a, pl- a hitter hit a ball in the, in the corner. The, the outfielder threw it in. He slid in to second base. He was safe. His foot came off the bag by about a micro-inch. The, the fielder, as he should, kept his glove on the leg. The foot came up. And here we are three and a half minutes later waiting for a decision. Is he out or safe? And the, the, he was called safe, and it was over. It was overturned. So I think uh, the commissioner is doing a fine job with what the, the state of the game is now on the field, the way the players are being taught to play the game. Pitchers are being taught to pitch away from contact at all costs. Hitters are being taught to try to hit the ball out of the park. So swings and misses and strikeouts are not – frowned upon so when you have players being taught the way they are now the way to play the game there's nothing the commissioner can do within reason to to make the game any faster so uh it's it's a tough challenge right now i mean it's sometimes this these games are difficult to watch when every team is averaging nine strikeouts i mean that's three innings a game where every team is not putting the ball in play so i mean that's a very difficult thing to watch now and then to his credit, Joe Madden has railed against this, and he has fought his team all year, really, since uh, since about the middle of April. He has fought his team and pressed them to use the entire field and to start to play more baseball again and not just home run derby, and it's been really good for the Cubs. They had a game uh, a week or two ago where they had 20 hits and 17 of them were singles, and they won the game and and won it easily. It was uh, it, It's been something to watch. And he's one of the few guys, though, Ed, that's really trying. Because if you, you know, if you say that publicly, you're going to be shouted down. You're going to be shouted down by the national media. You're going to be shouted down by the groupthink that says, no, we must play this way. We must adhere at all moments to sabermetrics, and we must use launch angle. And he said, no, we, that's it. we can't win that way. Let's try something else. Do you think there will be more of that? 
Well, I, I, Joe Madden and I are, are basically, he's a little older than me, but we're basically the same age. And we were brought up the same way, learning the game and, and executing the game a certain way. And uh, we have beliefs that we are, feel very strongly about. And if Joe Madden believes strongly about something, you know, with his reputation and his track record, it's, he's going to get what he wants down in that dugout. So he can say that publicly. I think that's another reason why you see so many first-time managers getting these jobs because these GMs have a specific way they want the game played. And if they hire a Dusty Baker or a Lou Pinella or guys like Joe Madden even, they're going to get some blowback when they tell them that they want to play this totally sabermetric launch angle type of game where you you don't run, you don't hit and run, you don't bunt. There's going to be some pushback from that dugout, and I think if you hire a first-time manager and read the rules to them and say, "Okay, you're going to follow these rules if we hire you," they're going to say yes, of course. You know, when you have the four biggest markets in baseball, the two New Yorks, Boston, and Philadelphia, all have rookie managers that I don't think have ever managed before. That tells you that the guys upstairs now want that game on the field played a certain way, and it's really different than the way guys in my generation were taught how to play the game. So, hey, Barry, if I could say something real quick about the trade deadline. Yeah, please. Go very ahead. interesting. Yeah. You know, if you, if you look at – it's a supply and demand thing. I mean, you look at the teams that are basically out of it. I mean, the American League is done. Basically, they're done. You know, half of all the teams are, are probably done. You have five teams who are on a pace to lose 90 games. Baltimore, Kansas City, the White Sox, Detroit, and Texas. Plus, you've got – Toronto, who's 14 and a half out of the wild card. Minnesota, that's 13 and a half out of the wild card. And the uh, Angels, that are nine out. Now, Tampa Bay has got, they're kind of there. They're playing very well. They're eight and a half back of the second wild card, which is a big number. But they got to play the Yankees and the Red Sox 17 times in the second half. <laughs> and we know how difficult that can be. So, right there, you've got eight American League, nine American League teams who are sellers basically. So in supply and demand, the supply is going to be out there. And I think the demand is going to be not as high based on the number of players are going to be available. So even if you're shopping a Manny Machado, number one, the teams are teams going to be looking for that type of player for three months. And number two, you know, there's such a, a, surplus of available talent now that Baltimore might have a hard time. I mean, I don't, I I think it would be unrealistic, unrealistic to expect them to get four pitching prospects for a Manny Machado, who is a, one of the best players in the game. Now the national league, you've got San Diego, Miami, and the Mets on a pace to lose 90 games. And then you got Cincinnati who's nine games back playing very well under Jim Riggleman, who's done a great job, but still you've got four teams there, nine. So you have, just about half of Major League Baseball who are sellers. Now, the National League wild card is a lot more fun to look at. You know, you got Milwaukee, Atlanta, L.A. right there. Colorado's two back. San Francisco's three back. St. Louis is four back. I mean, they fired their manager, so they're, they're not happy. They, they're not going to be sellers. They want to win this thing. They want to get to the playoffs. Washington, who has underachieved so far, and then Pittsburgh. So there is a sort of race going on in the National League, but The American League is basically over, but my point is there are so many teams selling right now that it's it's going to be very difficult for these teams to move the players that they think they're going to be able to move for quality prospects. 
Ed, great stuff. I really appreciate the time. Uh, Fun talking to you again. Thanks for not cursing at me. And uh, (laughs) maybe we'll do this again come playoff time. I'd love to, Barry. Thanks so much. Thanks, Ed. Take care. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Ed Lynch, former Cubs GM. He's a baseball scout, knows an awful lot about the game. Hey, I'm not a – I love metrics. Uh, I love innovation. I'm for all of it. I just don't know if some of it is sustainable. That's all. I just don't know how some of it's going to work. But that's a conversation we'll continue to have. Right now, we got to take a break. Coming up next, we'll find out about Manny Machado when we talk to Rock Kabodko right here on Hit and Run on the Score. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.